At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through this three-week series, we're turning to the biblical book of Isaiah to discover how God's holiness, forgiveness, and love compel us to share Him with others. We'll come face-to-face with whatever's keeping us from answering God's call as Isaiah did. Send me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, gracious God, we come to you in this moment because you are our refuge. We come to you because you are holy, you are worthy of our praise, of our attention, and of our hearts in this moment. God, as we reflect upon the reality of Mother's Day and the way that you have blessed many of us with amazing moms who have practiced their faith and lived out their faith in real, practical ways every single day consistently, not perfect, but faithful, we rejoice. We celebrate. We give you thanks. But God, on a Mother's Day, we also have to recognize that there are many here today who did not experience that, God. There are many here today who the very idea of Mother's Day was difficult for them to come because of pains from their past, maybe something they're walking through right now. Would you be our refuge today? Wherever you find our hearts on that spectrum, would you be our refuge and our strength today in this moment, God? May we sense your presence in our lives drawing near to us to strengthen us where we need strengthening, to encourage us where we need encouragement, God. Be near to each and every one of us here this morning. God, now as we turn to your word, would you tweak our hearts because of the reality of the truth of your word. May we stand upon it. May we learn from it. May you use it to stir things up in our hearts and our minds. God, this time is yours. Meet with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I hope somebody didn't say you too. (laughs) Well, I do want you to know that this morning we are concluding our sermon series called Send Me When God Calls Me to Go. You say, well, that's the title of the series. That's the subtitle of the series. And what I want us to do today is focus squarely on the subtitle for just a few moments, When God Calls You to Go. We're going to spend a few moments together reflecting on that that verb in that sentence. When God calls, that's the thing that God does. And typically when we talk about the term calling, as I stand on the stage and I were to say the word calling, most of you would automatically assume you're talking about somebody who's going to be a pastor or somebody who's going to go on the mission field or somebody who has some form of ministry title attached to their job. It's a fair assumption. But the idea of calling is not limited to vocational ministry. 
going to say that one more time. It is not limited to vocational ministry. Calling is far more significant, far more widespread than just those who have some kind of ministry title on their business card. It's bigger than that. The call of God is something that believers experience as we come before him humbly and walk with him and listen for his voice. That's when we can know and experience the call of God. So let's turn to our scripture one more time. We're going to be looking once again at Isaiah chapter 6. And as we do, what we're going to find is we're going to find the story of a man who has a calling on his life and in his life. And so let's turn back to Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to pick it up at verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And he said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth. And he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, go. And that's where we're going to stop. So church, what's taking place here? Isaiah has just gotten a glimpse of God and his holiness and it has shaken him to his core. He is undone in this moment. He is overcome by the majesty of God's holiness. And so he falls down. And in that moment, he is fully aware. He's fully aware that he is unworthy to stand before the holiness and the radiance and the beauty of God. If we're going to be honest and truthful, what should have happened to Isaiah in this moment is he should have been consumed by the holiness of God and in his judgment. That's what should have happened. But God, in his holiness, from this holiness, offers Isaiah his grace. He offers Isaiah his grace. And he'd say, well, how did that happen exactly? This is before Christ and before he came and sacrificed his life on the cross. Well, it came through an angelic being who takes a coal from the altar of sacrifice and he places it on Isaiah's lips. And in that act, 
Isaiah's sin is atoned for. God said his guilt is taken away in that act. And in that act of reconciliation, what happens is Isaiah, in that moment, hears God speak for the very first time. Now, I want you to put yourself into the story, if you can, for just a moment. You have just been a witness to God's majesty and his holiness and his goodness, and you are undone. You fall to your knees. And then God shows you his grace. If that wasn't enough, then you hear him speak. God's word to Isaiah comes in the form of a question. And it is a question that is intended to cause Isaiah in that moment to reflect upon the grace that he has just been given. It's a question that moves him. God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And before we dig deeply into that question, what I want you to do is I want to encourage you to put on your theological hats for a moment, all right? Some of us, when we come in here, we hear the word theology and say, no, 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 that's too long. I'm not interested. I don't want to hear that. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put on your theological hat in this moment because it is very It's very important for us as we grab a hold of this particular text. Don't push away from theology. Lean in in this moment. Because I want you to consider that God right here is all-sufficient. God is eternal. God is holy. That's the God we're talking about right here who poses the question, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? The reason I highlight that is because it's so important to remember that God in his sufficiency and in his holiness does not need the human assistance in this scenario. He doesn't need it at all. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need my help. And he doesn't really need Isaiah's help. But he calls Isaiah. He shares this word with Isaiah, this question with Isaiah for another reason. He does so because he has deep love for him and for his people. So let's consider what's happened. In this moment, God has seen, excuse me, Isaiah has seen God's holiness. In this moment, he has experienced God's grace, and then he has heard the calling of his God. So it's multi-sensory in this moment. So the question is, how could he turn from this particular call? The answer is he can't, and Isaiah doesn't. He can't, and he doesn't. And this shows us the first of two actions that you and I will interact with today that is required for all who would follow the call of God. The first is that they must be, and we must be, listening for God's calling. You and I must be listening for God's calling. I want to make a A quick point here. Oftentimes when somebody says, I'm listening to God, it can kind of suggest this sort of weird out-of-body experience. That's not what I'm talking about. 
We're not talking about some kind of mystical scenario. What we're talking about requires us to get a consistent view of who God is and what he does. That's why I said theology matters in this space because we have to know who God is and how he works, what he does. In his timeless book called So Send I You, author Oswald Chambers writes these words. He says, the call of God is not the echo of my nature. It's not the echo of the human's nature, but it expresses God's nature. The call to service is the echo of my identification with God. We provide the echo of our God. But there is, in fact, an action step involved. I'm going to warn you, this action step is a little bit more difficult, perhaps a little less popular than you might think. Because to truly listen for God's calling in our lives, we have to be obedient. And everybody hung their head and said, oh, not that word. Obedient. Obedience to both the location and to the situation that God places us. I'm going to say that one more time. The location and the situation where God places us. So as you walk closely with God, living in the shadow of his nature or in the echo of his nature, as Chambers suggests, God may call you to a specific community. God may call you to a specific role. God may call you to a specific place. He may call you to a specific group of people. It's location and situation. And when he calls, when he does the calling, he's calling calling you and me to talk about God's greatness, to tell others about his grace. That is our part of the call. That's always a part of the call. As I was thinking of this message, I began to think of just my friend group. Kind of just started thinking of some friends who are walking closely with God. They've heard the call on their lives to proclaim God's goodness, to proclaim his grace. And here are a few of the places, the locations of where they've been called. They have been called to proclaim God's goodness and his grace to artists. That's one friend. I have another friend who is called to serve and minister the gospel in the context of the urban poor. Another friend does so in prisons to prison inmates. Another is involved in minor league hockey. That is his community where he speaks of the goodness and the grace of God. Another is called to the country of Jamaica. I hope you see the diversity there the breadth of what we're talking about when we're talking about calling. The question that I want us to consider this morning is actually twofold. Not just to look at those stories, but for you and me to enter into the story and to consider it for ourselves. And the first question is this, are you walking with God in such a way that you can hear him? Are you walking so closely, so humbly with your heavenly Father that you can hear him? That's question one. Question two is, are you listening? Are you listening? 
Here's a huge assumption that just because we're in Christ, we are walking with God and we are listening. I would like to turn that up on, upside down. I would like to turn that on its head for just a moment because simply because you're in Christ and you have faith in Jesus does not mean you are actively listening. It does not mean that you are openly receiving what God has for you. It doesn't mean you're necessarily listening to what he has for your life. As I was preparing this message, I was reminded of my own story a bit. When we were in our 20s, in our late 20s, and we sensed that God was calling me into pastoral ministry. We lived on the other side of the state, and we were doing life with a group of 20-something believers, young, married folks, didn't have, didn't have any kids, and we were kind of just getting started. And we sensed God's call to pastoral ministry, and so to do that, that would mean I would need to move and go to seminary in a, in a different state, and we shared that with our friends, and their response was shocking to us. He said, we are never leaving here. We're never leaving here. We love it too much here to leave. As I consider that, again, it makes me sad. Not a judgmental sort of scenario, but what that means is I don't question their faith, I don't question their desire to walk with God, but I do question to know if they were listening and if they were open to the call of God on their lives. Were they open? What happens is that when we open ourselves up to the reality of God's call on our lives, we lean into the fact that we are all recipients of God's grace. If you are in Christ today and you are seeking to walk with him humbly, walk with him intimately and in communion with your heavenly father, are you doing so in such a way where you can hear his voice in your life? And then the second question is, and I want to let this hang for just a moment as we consider it. Are you listening? Let's look back at our text. Pick it up at verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah says, Here am I. Send me. Isaiah declares in this moment to his heavenly Father that yes, I am in fact listening. I hear you. I'm listening. And God's response to Isaiah in this moment is really simple, and yet it is incredibly profound. Look at verse 9. And he said, go. What would your question be in that moment? <laughs> Where? What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? Go. As we read on, and it's not part of our uh, kind of focus today, but as you read down in the next few verses, what you find out is that the message that Isaiah was given uh, was not necessarily an easy message to take to God's people. Now, a couple weeks ago, I reminded you of the context of this, of the story that God's people are separated into two kingdoms, and they're separated and they're walking in disobedience. They're not keeping up with the covenant that they have with God. And so Isaiah then has to speak into that scenario, and he's given a difficult word to proclaim. 
and he will ultimately be rejected because of what he shares. But Isaiah didn't have the freedom to change the message. He didn't have the liberty to alter the message in any way because that was what God called him to proclaim. Now, here's why this matters for you and me today. If you are in Christ today through faith, you don't get to alter the message either. I don't get to alter the message. We don't get to make it softer. We don't get to make it easier. We don't get to make it more palatable for more people. God's people are called to communicate his goodness, his greatness, and his grace. That's the good part. But we're also called to communicate a message of turning from sin and repentance. We're also called to acknowledge that Jesus is the one and the only one who died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. We're also called to invite people to receive God's goodness and his grace expressed in the person and the work of Jesus who is the Christ. Listen to these familiar words found in John's gospel. They're actually Jesus' words. John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but should have eternal life. Everybody knows that. That's at football games and everywhere. That's John 3.16. And it's true. But rather than stopping with John 3.16, I want us to keep reading. Listen to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Through him. So whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Everyone who turns from their sinful ways and turns to faith in Christ as the Savior will be saved from condemnation. That's what the text says. Friends, that is the gospel. That is good news. That's what we proclaim. But as I stand here before you, I also know that that message is countercultural. That message, for some people, they would say, well, no, 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 that is far too exclusive. You said Jesus is the only God and the only one and the only one who died on a cross. That, ah, uh, no, no, no. It, it's too exclusive. It is exclusive. And that doesn't make it any less true. It does not make it any less true. The boldness required to speak of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ is our calling. As I was preparing this message, I kind of started thinking about who are some people who sort of came into contact with God, had sort of an Isaiah-like experience with God where they recognize God's amazement and it, and it propels them and pushes them out. And I could think of no one better than a 19th century guy by the name of Hudson Taylor. In his teens, he came to understand the unspeakable awe and joy of God. That was in his teens. And in that moment, Taylor was called by God 
to do something for him. And so over the course of the next few years, Taylor unpacks it and figures it out and kind of walks with God consistently. And then he hears the specifics and understands more deeply the call on his life to go to a largely unreached people group. And so at 21 years of age, Hudson Taylor sets sail for a place called Shanghai, China. And as he's there, he gets to the the borders of the country. And what's intriguing about the borders is that the borders is where those port cities are. And that's where you have a lot of English-speaking people. And Hudson Taylor says, this is not what I'm called to. I'm called to go deeper into the nation. I'm called to reach unreached people groups. And so he, he emphasizes that for the rest of his life. He pours into that in moving inland. And as he does that, they need the scriptures. And so he works to translate the Bible into Chinese. But the work was long. The work was hard. There was tremendous personal sacrifice for Hudson Taylor himself. He had a lot of struggles. It was a huge sacrifice in terms of his family. But through the trust that he had in God, The echo that he had from God, he carried out. And thousands of people, I'm not talking about a small group of five people or ten people, thousands of people through Hudson Taylor's ministry ultimately brought the message of Jesus to an unknown group or an unreached group, kind of the interior of China. Now, I'm not saying that we're all going to be Hudson Taylor. And I'm not saying that we all should be like Isaiah, but all who are in Christ today. If you have a faith in Jesus Christ, you are called. You are called to go. To go. This brings us to our second response today, that we are to go to the world. Believers are called to go into the world. Now, I'm guessing that some of you are saying, wait a second, Pastor, you keep talking about going, you're talking about a guy who went to China. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to China. That's okay. I understand. Maybe God hasn't called you to China. But I would add this truth. God is calling you to proclaim his goodness and his grace into our world. It may not be in China, but he is calling you. And you might say, well, how can you say that? Who are you? Well, I'm going to stand upon the word of God and communicate to you what it says in Matthew's gospel, chapter 28. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus makes that declaration. It's all been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So every person who has experienced the grace of God in Jesus Christ, is called to go and make disciples. All of us. You know, this is the main point of this message. This is the main point of this entire series, that God's calling compels you and me to go. To go. But going doesn't look the same for everybody. 
Going is not the same for you as it is for me because practical realities can kind of get in the way sometimes. We can have physical challenges. We might have family responsibilities that we're not going to be able to move to China or to some other place. This is why I appreciate the categories that a pastor and author by the name of John Piper, he suggests these three categories. He said, believers can go, believers can send, or a third category, or we can be disobedient. We can go, we can send, or we can be disobedient. Let me break those down for just a moment. Some of us are, in fact, called to go. To go to another country, to go to another culture, to go to another people group. There's some of us in this room right now who have been called to go and have gone and they're getting ready to go again and they're itching right now. God is stirring something in your heart that you know you need to go. Perhaps that's a short-term mission trip. Perhaps it's something that we're calling here the Global 100. And so I want to highlight something for you. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Scott Crosby was here, and he shared uh, his leadership of the Global 100. And that is we're trying to develop 100 young leaders to go out and be spread out over the world, to take the message of Jesus Christ around the world. Now, in each corner of our worship center are a couple of these uh, booklets. If you are intrigued by that and want to know more information about that, if God is stirring something in your heart, I want to ask you, be sure to grab one of those as you leave today. Don't just leave and kind of think that's for somebody else. So that's go. There are also some of us who are called to send This means that you are resourcing to support those who are going. Maybe, again, you can't go physically. You have commitments with work or whatever. You can't go, but someone is going. So you then have the opportunity to send them, whether that's financial support, prayer support, some other way. Again, I want to point your attention to a booklet we had. It's called the Global Expansion Campaign. And this is something that Woodside is doing to develop uh, a deeper connection with what it means to go and to send. Again, both tables have this particular resource. I would encourage you, grab one on the way out. We provided those a couple weeks ago, but sometimes you you may have missed it, and so I want to highlight that for you. And you'd say, well, what does that look like? I mean, how do I help someone go? We have people here right now who are getting ready to go to Guatemala. We have people right now who are getting ready to go to South Dakota and ready to go on other different short-term experiences. That's how you find out more. So we have going, we have sending. And then we have the third one that nobody wants to talk about. And the third category is this. If you're not going and if you're not sending, you are not faithful to the call of God on your life and therefore we would be disobedient. You see, Jesus' words in Matthew's gospel aren't just for a select few. It's not just this whole section, you guys are off the hook, about half of you guys, you're safe, you guys, you gotta go. It's not that way. It wasn't just for a special group of ministry types. The Great Commission applies to all believers. All of us. This is why everyone who knows God through faith in Jesus Christ is called to make disciples of all nations. 
As we close, I want to remind you that all who know Christ, I want you to know where this calling is coming from. One more time. I want to turn us back to Oswald Chambers once again. Same book, So Send I You. Here's what he writes. He said, God does not have to come and tell you what you must do for him. Instead, he brings you into a relationship with himself wherein we hear his call and we understand what he wants us to do. And we do it. And we do it out of sheer love for him. That's why we do it. So church family, may each one of us go. May we go compelled by a heart overflowing with love for our great God. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.